Hey guys, if you want updates on our latest episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the Film Colossus podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, if you'd like to support the show and hear episodes ad-free, then subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmcolossus. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Start the clock. My name is Travis B. My name is Chris Lambert. And what, what's the order again? Who talks now? <laughs> uh, you do. Okay. I talk. Today we are, this is our inaugural episode of us going through our movie rankings. So um, on our site, filmclosses.com, we do a lot of like nerdy movie explanations, which is going to be, um, we're going to put out an episode every other week where we break down a movie, but every other other week <laughs> we're gonna do these episodes where we talk about just the movies we've seen recently uh where they rank on our movie list that we keep on the site and we're just gonna talk about what we like or don't like about them yeah while the other ones will get a little bit more deep divey nerdy you'll get some of the analysis in here as that's going to be part of the reason why we ranked something but it's also i think a nice for discovery nice for recommendations uh, if you're curious about a movie or might be hearing about a movie for the first time, uh, it might give you cause to go watch it, either because we liked it so much or we hated it <laughs> so much. Yeah. So say, like, you hate every movie that I like or you like every movie that I hate. If I hate a movie, you know what to do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I should have said we should. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, it's just how it that's how it is. We have one friend where he and I have <laughs> completely opposite movie tastes. So if I like something, he tends to hate it. And if he hates something, I know that I'm probably going to really love it. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but I we should say at the top of the episode, by the way, we haven't we failed to do this so far. We say start the clock, but then we don't say how much time we actually have. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this episode, we have 30 minutes. Yeah. Down to 28. Oh, gosh. Okay, Chris. So we're going based on the last time we put out an episode, which is December 21st. Um, how many movies have you watched since December 21st? I have only watched uh, two movies. No, I've watched three movies in that time. You've watched three? I've okay. watched three. And you're going to talk about at least two of them? Yeah. Or That's the goal anyway. And I have watched one, two, three. 13 movies <laughs> that's I almost guess... a movie a day that's pretty much a movie a day are you good to do are you good to talk about three of them sure yeah i'll try i'll try my best in the time allotted okay perfect <laughs> i mean i can list out all the movies i've watched if we really want but really we're just gonna i'm just gonna pick out the three best ones which i feel like it's just pick out the three newest releases yeah you should also be sure to note which one was the worst of the ones 
Oh, yeah, I can tell you that. I, I mean, that's one of the new releases that I think we'll talk about. Okay, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so wh who's going first? Me, you, what's up? Uh, you start us off. What do you got? All right. I will say I'll, I'll save the one I really didn't care for because I think that'll be an interesting discussion. I'll start with the one I really enjoyed. Wasn't uh, not the best movie I watched since December 21st, but maybe the most... I don't know. Avatar The Way of Water, which okay. um, Chris, I mean, it's already detailed on this podcast. We're only three episodes deep, but we already have a mythology building about Avatar The Way of Water. And you were you were begging me to go see this in the theaters, were you not? I absolutely was, because it's just the same way that the first one was such a, a spectacle to the movie theaters in 2009. I feel like in the intervening 13 years, uh, this new one has done the same thing with the technology where we're currently at. And it was just, what a thing to behold. And my response to your encouragement to go to a movie theater, which is filled with people I don't want to be sitting near, who smell like things I don't want to smell, who are talking about things I'd rather not be hearing during a movie, uh, for you to encourage me to go into that environment, which I have avoided for a while now, mostly because I, I had a child. And secondly, because I just got more and more sick of going to movie theaters. Um, for me to go to a movie, it was a big deal for me, but I did it. I believed you. My my wife and I, we made a day date out of it. Um, her parents watched our kid. And Chris, I have to thank you. You were right. Always am. <laughs> I thought it was, I mean, yes, visually, of course, like it's worth the price of admission. It it honestly made me feel a little, <laughs> it made me not want to go to the movie theaters once again, <laughs> because like, I'm going to pay the same amount of money to go see something that's not nearly as impressive. Like, that's what I really love about The Way of Water is like, you truly get your money's worth, like paying 15 16 bucks to see it at IMAX 3D that I say that's a hell of a deal it's so spectacular and so different from I mean James Cameron invented technology for this movie like no movie literally no movie looks like this so it it is truly something to behold yeah what uh and then story wise did that did did it do it for you narratively see that was the part I didn't expect was you know I I haven't seen Avatar since it came out and my recollection of it is it's boring, formulaic, obvious. Um, unobtainium is the name. I mean, that's <laughs> your clue right there about how obvious it is. Um, and I was just kind of like, I don't need to see any more of these. But man, this movie made me think like, I should probably go back and brush up on my avatar. I, I was fully invested in the world James Cameron is building. Um, I was so gripped by the stories like every single character all of the connections between the characters like it, what james cameron like i feel like he's always somebody I'm, i haven't been like super into because his characters are always a little blockheaded you know mm. like they're very like over the top caricatures of like tropish characters you always see and so i like i think i always have a little time like investing myself in them hard time doing it but he, I don't know what it is about the way of water, but like it was totally working. Like I, it, all of the stories were interesting enough, and they connected in interesting enough ways that at every turn, 
no matter how kind of obvious or played out any of the storylines were, they were done well, they were acted well, they the the flow, the energy, like it all built to a climax in a perfect way. I I cried several times. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept crying and I was like, I think at this point any movie about family makes me cry. So like yeah. So yeah, I it's just like everything it was doing was hitting the right notes. I the thing that like I mentioned this I think in the the previous uh, best of list or 2022 rankings, but the thoroughness, it's not something you and I got to discuss. The thoroughness mm. of the storytelling is what got to me. Yeah, right. It, just how patient the movie is in developing the characters, the sense of place, the the arcs and the emotion the scene that jumped out to me the most was the the whaling scene Mm. it was so detailed from start to finish and that made it all the more painful to kind of witness how realistic it was and the fact that it wasn't presented in this dramatized kind of blockbustery hollywood way but as very matter of fact it just blew me away the how masterful that was in terms of like awakening people to a very real issue that i think a lot of us feel with whaling uh in the current state of the world but also in context of the movie uh, i just think about other movies that i've watched and how quick they seem to speed through and get to the sure. next beats or get to the next plot point that there was something really refreshing. Like I don't want every movie to be three hours, but maybe some movies need to scale down uh, some of the story that they're telling in order to develop in a meaningful way. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like that's an area you and I have always diverged a little bit, but I think after everything you've just said, maybe we agree more than we realize that like, I don't necessarily thorough is an interesting word to use because in my mind, a lot of movies falter and become just very boring <laughs> because of how thorough they are. And like, they want to like build out this world and they're showing me all this stuff that like doesn't matter and doesn't pertain to the story and doesn't advance the characters. Um, I think the thing I've always appreciated more about movies is efficiency which is like the least sexy thing you could say about a movie. But I, in my mind, it is like, it's absolutely crucial for a movie to be efficient. In my mind, the way of water is very efficient with everything. Like it packs so much in to its three hour time. In the whale scene you're talking about, like all of that to me is efficient storytelling. Like everything we see there is absolutely crucial to the, the story. The characters like are... Um, our emotional investment and in what's going on. It, it doesn't like efficiency doesn't mean fast. It just means like you're doing the most with the time you have. And this movie is doing that. Like it doesn't feel like three hours at all. No, not even a little, which we are divided on the Harry Potter films, right? You like the back half Very more much. than the front half. Uh, Well, the first two movies are my favorite. Okay. So kind of, but the last two movies are my third and fourth favorites. <laughs> See, I, I go four, three, two, one <laughs> as my like top four. And uh-huh. then ah, I don't even know. I love I three, rank. though. Three, three could be number five. For, uh, this is a different episode. <laughs> but it uh, kind of gets that. I always look at the Harry Potter franchise as like kind of a divide between yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, thorough and efficient where the Mm -hmm. first four movies are very thorough and the last four are very efficient. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, we're aligned on the way of water. We both love it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, What do you got for me? Uh, Where did you rank it? Where did it? I guess yeah, that's part of the the show, isn't it? Yeah. Um, So I'll just go, I'll put it on my 2022 rankings. Um, I still have to update it on the site. For the 2022 rankings, I mean, I think I'd rank it definitely top 10. Let me look at my list really quick. Um, I'd go above Jurassic World. I'd probably go above Dog as well, which is an absurd sentence that so many people are laughing at. (laughs) Uh, I think I'd put it at number five. Okay. What's it above? So it would go, my list would go Vortex, Genius, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, X, then Avatar, then Dog, Jurassic World, Ambulance, RRR, Orphan First Kill. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's my top 10. Okay. Um, awesome. Well, oh, wait, I have another one I would add to that actually. Ah, oh, shit. But I'm not talking about that movie here. Okay. Well, you'll have to tell us at the end. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, cliffhanger. Uh, the one that I, I'm trying to think what I ranked most highly. So uh, recently I've watched Falling Down, Hereditary, and uh, Banshees of Inner Sharon. Mm. Which one of those do you want to hear me talk about? Well, well, let's talk about the Banshees of Inner Sharon because that was going to be the other movie I was going to mention, but I don't have to if you talk about it. Okay. Uh, Banshees was cool to me i ended up ranking it uh this is my all-time rankings um in the all-time rankings which are currently how many 70 uh it ended up at number nine and that's just movies you've watched since we started the all times rankings list we started ranking movies in july of 2022 so movies that we had watched prior to this didn't make the list so it's only movies we've seen since starting it. So it's something like, you know, I've seen thousands of movies. Uh, putting them all on the list, I feel like is kind of cheating a little hmm. bit. So like some of my favorite movies aren't even on the list yet. So Banshee yeah. being at number nine is just <laughs> uh, <laughs> a byproduct of that. But it's in the oppressive category for me. Like I thought it was doing... Uh, I thought the performances uh, specifically from Colin Farrell and Brennan Gleeson were like really good that as much as Farrell's kind of the, the leading man of it, that Gleeson just had such a presence in the film uh, that it was really fun to watch. Uh, I like what it's doing with the Irish civil war and the fact that there's this subtext that it's essentially, um, a metaphor for the civil war with Colm Brennan Gleeson being the Irish free state and uh, Colin Farrell as Podrick being the IRA and what happened in the aftermath of the Irish like war of independence that then led to the Irish civil war. I think it's pretty fascinating to see uh, an Irish filmmaker and Irish cast really be commenting on their country's history in that way. And some of the ideas and topics we can draw from that, like Shaban, Podrick's sister, uh, ends up leaving in a Sharon. And if you're viewing in a Sharon as kind of Ireland, the idea of brain drain, like she's somebody that was Mm. smart, capable, um, had goals 
that she felt she couldn't make a life in the country as it currently was and went elsewhere makes a lot of sense as I was reading that there were like hundreds of thousands of people that fled Ireland after that uh, for the UK, for the United States. It was one of the precursors ahead of the, like the potato famine that Mm. led to a bunch of people fleeing. And then even um, Barry Keegan, I've never actually heard anybody say his last name. I need to, um, (laughs) I need to look that up but uh, his character representing kind of like the youth and their vision of their future and how bleak that future is like limited prospects in career in marriage in friendship and how much that can kind of weigh on you i thought was also very like poignant and fascinating to see um so i liked the movie a lot it was just something where I wanted a bit more from it. Like we were just talking about scale uh, with Avatar Mm. and this is a thorough movie in that it's just like the breakdown of two friends relationship and setting this new precedence for what the relationship is going to be moving forward. And it accomplished everything that I think it needed. It's just kind of at the end of it. I'm like, okay, it did Mm -hmm. it it didn't leave me with that next level of like, Oh man, this is like hitting me in my existential like way in the same way as something like X did when I saw X or something like prisoners or triangle of sadness. So in terms of like larger movies, uh, it just doesn't quite have that next gear for me that I'm looking for, which is why it ends up, in the oppressive category rather than amazing or uh, colossal, which is the top ranked Mm. category for me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to respond to that. I'm going to back up really quick and say on my all time list, I have avatar, the way of water. Actually I'm looking at it more. I might put it above X, which I feel like is a big statement for me and very brave for me to do because I'm a big (laughs) Taiwan fan. Um, But so I might go up that high. So I think it'd be around like the 50 mark for me right now. My list is at like 200 <laughs> something close to, I'm getting close to 300 movies. Jeez. Four times mine. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I have no life. Um, any free time I get, I'm like, I'm watching a movie. Like that's what I do. Um, but yeah. So in response to all that, I, 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 I'm with you on a lot of what you said, actually. Like, I saw the machinations of the movie. I could see what it was doing. I mean, to me, it was almost... It started venturing the territory of, like, being a little too obvious with the whole Civil War thing. Mm. Like, in the beginning, I was like, okay, I I immediately... I get what you're doing. Like, (laughs) I see the symbolism here, like, the parallels you're trying to draw. Um, And because of that, like, at one point you said, um, like it all made sense. And I feel like that's the nicest thing I can say about this movie (laughs) is that it made sense. Like I understand what it's doing. I don't deny that it is a poignant way to go about things to like, because this is what movies do. You take this big, broad, exaggerated situation and it's meant to parallel something small that we all experience. Um, So using this, this uh, big civil war or something that was, you know, changed the course of direction for a country and, and everybody within it to break that down to these this small town especially these two people who are going in different directions like inherently that's poignant um but i think my 
my big issue is that I, I mean, to begin with, I'm not a big Martin Madonna fan. Um, I don't think I've ever liked any of his movies, uh, even in Bruges, which everyone seems to love. Like Damn. I have never liked it. I really don't like three billboards. And I just, I think part of it is like, is just that like his movies are a little bit too obvious for me and never find the real emotion. Um, the kind of, it, it's funny cause like the movies are inherently honest like they're talking about something real yet they don't feel honest <laughs> because of that like they feel like obvious and pulling a little bit and like i see what you're doing like i know what you're trying to make me feel as opposed to just kind of resting in the moment with things and letting things unfold and and concentrating on characters i i don't know i i feel like there's just a little bit too much of that like here is the big symbol for what this movie's about as opposed to like making me feel something I get that. I wasn't a big like in Bruges or Seven Psychopaths fan. Uh, in Bruges, it was really the last like ten minutes the movie clicked for me, and I was like, okay, I like this. Um, and Seven Psychopaths was like okay. Mm-hmm. That was him too, right? Yeah, that was him. Yeah, and then Three Billboards I liked, but I understand why it's not your kind of movie. I feel like when you can see some of the character arcs as clearly as those character arcs were, that's less interesting mm-hmm. to you. And especially because it does feel like it's set up in such a way to really like hit on certain emotions. And I know some of that, like the machinations of that or manufacturing of that doesn't sit quite as well with you as it might with others. Right. Yeah. Um, but with all that said, I, it's, it, the great thing about Mark Madonna is he always has awesome actors in his movie. So like, even though I find his material a little vapid sometimes it's acted so well and shot so pretty that like it's watchable. Um, I just, that emotional investment, that is something I really need for me to like be in a movie and feel something and take something away. And like, I just never get it. Mm. Mm-mm. So, so where does it rank in your list? Uh, I put it number nine. Oh yeah, you said all this already. Yeah. Um, well, on my all-time, let's see, on my 2022 list, I probably put it. I would say it's above. I mean, it's better than Prey. Who am I kidding? Um, I put it. I put it right above Prey at number 31. At 2022, was it at seven? I think. Yeah, it's at seven. Okay. And on my all-time, it'd be in a. What's way down here like 220 ish (laughs) okay (laughs) oh god i feel like this show is just me being mean i don't like this (laughs) you'll 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 find your way yeah this county is an amazing place full of promise for so many people that's why we need a healthcare system that stretches valley wide so Santa Clara Valley Medical Center, O'Connor Hospital, St. Louis Regional Hospital, and clinics across the valley have come together. United for the public good. Creating more access to the kind of forward-thinking healthcare everyone in our community deserves. That's, That's the, the power, power of we. Santa Clara Valley Healthcare. Learn more at scvh.org. 
That was a great dinner. So great. Wait, where'd you park the car? Oh, the one I just sold to Carvana. What? When did you do that? When you were still looking at the menu. I went on Carvana.com and all I had to do was enter the license plate or VIN, answer a few questions, and got a real offer in seconds. They picked up the car already? No, I parked around the corner. But they are picking it up tomorrow and paying me right on the spot. Oh, no wonder you picked up the check. Yeah, about that. Uh, thought we were going halvesies. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. Um. Okay, what's another movie I want to talk about? I could talk about a new one. I mean, I could talk about Ticket to Paradise, but like, I don't think anybody's going to see that movie. <laughs> oh, that's the George Clooney, Julia Roberts movie. I absolutely loved it. Did you see? I, aren't you aren't you like a big Mamma Mia fan too? Yeah, but what does Mamma Mia have to do with it? I don't know. I've never seen Mamma <laughs> Just Mia. Movies where people are on an island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no scening in Ticket to Paradise. There is dancing, though. Okay. You know, the song uh, of defeat. I mean, I could talk about it really quick. Since we're low on time, and I can just go quick about yeah, it. Like Seven minutes. I love Ticket to Paradise. Like, to me, uh, you know, everyone's just rolling their eyes. We're, like, skipping to the next episode right now. Like, you, like, you don't have to trust my taste. I don't care. But I, I really crave a movie like this. I love old-timey screwball comedies from, like, the 40s. And this, to me, like, this movie just uses that formula perfectly. Like, it has a very simple pre- um, premise. All the characters are, like, caricatures, but they're done in interesting ways and acted really well and very efficiently used. Like, each of them has, like, a gag, like, something really, like, obviously funny about them, but, like, they keep building on that idea like really well and like they never steep too long in it like they just keep moving from the next joke or to the next wacky scenario and and on top of that like there's such emotion effused into it like you're so invested in the people and what they're fighting for and what they care about and the direction of their lives like it's just all done very very well and on top of that, it made me cry just as much as After the Way of Water did. <laughs> so, like, because it's, like, that goofiness that I really appreciate about movies that I think is kind of gone. Like, a lot of movies these days, a lot of modern films, I think why I I have trouble getting into them is they're so uh, dire. <laughs> like, they're about, like, something going on in the world and it has to be, like, a social statement. Like, I like movies like that, but, like, I get a little sick of it and I crave movies like this that are just like good hearted, uh, optimistic, uh, hopeful, aiming for something better. It's just like and just about the people in the movie and not necessarily about something way bigger than itself. You know, like I just I wish more movies were like this. So it it just so on my 2022 rankings, it's it's high it's uh <laughs> it's probably number two or three for me Ooh, i i mean it's something that's been talked about a lot like the death of the comedy genre mm-hmm. and how sad that's been making people and it's not like we need comedies that are as gratuitous as some were in the 90s and 2000s it's almost like it seems that as uh, society's kind of like shifted and awareness of what is and isn't funny has shifted. Uh, people are kind of uncertain what comedies to make and they just haven't been doing well in the box office right? to justify the, the Hollywood attention put on them in the way that, you know, 
40-year-old virgin or knocked up like that initial run yeah. of Judd Apatow movies did. But I think you're starting to see so many people kind of crave not everything being like dark and brooding. <laughs> and I mean, that's one of the reasons why you like the 90s Batman movies way more than <laughs> recent Batman movies. <laughs> way <Like> more. <laughs> you prefer Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze to... Oof. Colin Farrell as the Penguin, and not like the performances, like the movies as a whole. Yeah, yes, of course, because you know Colin Farrell, he's great. Like, yeah, so you're totally right, and probably a big reason for that shift is like the world is in such a mess, (laughs) and we're like sick of it. Like, it's nice to have something nice. Yeah, they. I mean, that was something that I remember hearing a lot about. Like, not as a kid, nobody's talking about like art currents of art to children but in college <laughs> hearing about the idea that a lot of what trends within art is a reaction to where culture currently is and mm. events in the world so you'll see if events are like really bleak a lot more escapism if things are really positive maybe there's a more like groundedness that comes in or like uh, escapism into the dark and brooding but as the world becomes more dark and brooding there's escapism into the positivity and this is the first time I feel like in my life I can really start to see some of the dichotomies that have been forming especially uh, like pre 9-11 post 9-11 like yeah pre like avatar post avatar not that that's a, a tipping point but just like the mm. 2010s being such like a crazy decade as the digital age has really like taken off. Yeah. It's going to make you feel old soon, isn't it? Oh, hell yeah. You saw all the shifts happen in real time and you could tell your kids about them. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Um, All right. Give us one more. Yeah. We're going to go over, which uh, we'll see. We'll we'll figure out what to do with that. I might cut you off and just end it. Oh my God. Uh, Falling down is the other one that I watched, which is a 1993 movie. Joel Schumacher. You know, yeah, at, at his that's what peak. I'm about. It's weird because watching it, it's like a post Die Hard movie. But for some reason, I always think of Falling Down as being earlier than Die Hard. I don't know why, but <laughs> they both just kind of feel of the same period. But this is like six years after Die Hard has established itself, or five years after Die Hard's like changed the genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was funny. I had watched Die Hard recently. And seeing like falling down, falling down in context of that was kind of interesting. But I was completely fooled by this. Um, I imagine a lot of people were at the time, but it starts off. I had seen clips, a lot of clips over the years, but I didn't realize how subversive this film was going to be. I actually thought it was going to be like William Foster, um, Michael Douglas's character was going to be glorified from start to finish. And that he's kind of this every man that's railing against these different systems and saying things about like the fast food industry or traffic or convenience store prices uh, that people like everywhere feel. And he was doing that, but he starts to take it too far every single time. Like, are we getting ripped off by these convenience stores? Yeah, but should you trash the convenience store and, like, be racist to the owner? No. (laughs) Like, 
are is it annoying when the fast food restaurant the big corporate fast food restaurant uh has a hard cutoff of 11 30 for breakfast and you're just trying to live your life and you get there four minutes late and can't get this sandwich that are you... these complaints you have chris this is not the movie absolutely bacon egg and cheese biscuit <laughs> do you know as a night owl and somebody that doesn't wake up for breakfast <laughs> do you know how hard it is for me to get a bacon egg and cheese biscuit that, from mcdonald's that would be reason enough for me alone to stop being an insomniac <sighs> it's frustrating but how he goes about it you're just like well this isn't good and yet the movie's glorifying him he's the Mm. hero that we're supposed to root for it felt like a kind of movie that in 1993 clint eastwood would be like yes it feels very 90s it feels so 90s and i was thinking from the lens of a 2022 person who kind of agrees with a lot of where culture has gone in terms of like hey don't say or do those things yeah um it was pretty awkward for a lot of it and then i realized that's the the point the The movie wants you to kind of be identifying with this guy in an uncomfortable way until the switch happens and then you realize oh no he's just like a psychopath and he is the bad guy and he's terrible and you shouldn't identify with him and the fact that there are ways in which we might identify with some of the complaints or some of the like emotions, but be horrified by the way in which he takes those things. And it Mm. now ends up as a portrait of an extremist and the portrait of somebody who goes down the path of like extremism and terrorism and violence was such an interesting character study that as somebody that loves like fight club and American psycho and defends those movies and kind of laughs at the fact that people didn't get them when they first watched them. It's the fact that I didn't get falling down and didn't understand that it was kind of a precursor to those movies and uh, just really knocked my socks off. Man, I really should watch falling down. It, it feels like, um, especially if you're like a, a movie lover, like you're in the movie scene, like it's, it feels like a, an important a culturally important movie like i've heard enough about this movie and like i feel like i've seen scenes from it and it has the joel schumacher energy which again is very 90s like i should probably watch it yeah i think you would like it there's uh, it's really fascinating uh, in terms of like the twist because it's presented as such like a 90s hollywood blockbuster action movie but with a little more like subversion and subtext yeah. and like actual horror. It's like Cape Fear meets Die Hard, um, which was like I was not prepared for. <laughs> so I'm like very on board with this movie. It's still like it didn't rank like I put it in my all time rankings at number 29. It's in the positives category. I have it directly above Bullet Train because I think it's at least doing a little bit more that's interesting. Like, I think I enjoyed Bullet Train, I think, from a a cinematic and, like, sleekness perspective a little bit mm-hmm. more. But I think Falling Down has more to say. Um, and it's still incredibly relevant to this day. Like, it's kind of shocking to me how much Falling Down, I think kind of still aligns with the psychology that we see from a lot of people that are internet radicalized Mm -hmm. um that it felt like very poignant and not dated um 
but it's below blowouts which i rewatched blowout last year awesome i thought it was a lot worse than i remember it being you're wrong um especially the scene where he's like trying to drive and like drives through a parade and like crashes a car Uh just oh man i love that scene it's insane like how is it he like arrested how is it he like that's what you're worried about (laughs) yeah it was just so absurd but the last 10 minutes uh, like the last five minutes of blowout are still so good and the commentary the social commentary on america is still like so good that's part of the parade scene chris i know i'm just kidding (laughs) but so blowout is still like above falling down because i think ultimately like they're saying like similar things but i enjoy like the aesthetic of blowout just a little bit more uh de palma that guy he can make the stupidest script in the world so watchable so blowout wins just whatever contest you're doing (laughs) um yeah okay so we've reached the end yeah i guess that's it about five minutes over okay well we'll use that for something at some point we will be punished we have some plans and obviously we didn't get to every movie we watched this week uh well every movie i watched this week (laughs) Uh, i've watched 12 movies since our last podcast so i had a lot more to talk about and we don't have time to do it in our 30 minute allotment here but if you go to filmcolossus.com you can see where i ranked everything you can see what I thought about everything. I try to do these quick write-ups about everything I watch. So go check it out there. Um, and then before we go out, what, what do, I don't know. What do we want to say at the end? I, I guess we'll figure it out. We'll, yeah, we'll figure it out later. Okay. Bye. See ya. Got a big question to ask. Anything? Do you want to do We'd all love to hit skip on our problems now and again, but using weed to deal with stress as a teen won't make your issues go away. That's because THC messes with parts of the brain responsible for fear and anxiety, making it even harder to manage them on your own. So even the smaller things can start to feel difficult to handle. Learn better ways to deal with stress at mindovermarijuana.com. That's mindovermarijuana.com. Sponsored by the California Department of Public Health.